The Hunting and Finding Out of the Romish Fox, Part 2, by William Turner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Now we have showed you by the example of the scripture that, though the ordinances of the Pope had been lawful, that he ought not to have holden them. Howbeit I shall prove the Pope's ordinances, which he holds still, are as much contrary to the scripture as is light to darkness and Christ to Belial. Let us therefore examine the chief and most laudable ceremonies as ye take them, with the touchstone of the word of God. Is the creeping of the cross agreeing with the word of God? Whatsoever ye say, I say nay, and thus will I prove it. In creeping of the cross ye worship the cross, but the worshipping of the cross is contrary to the word of God. Therefore the creeping of the cross is contrary to the word of God. In the creeping of the cross ye worship the cross, but the worshipping of the cross is contrary to the word of God. Therefore the creeping of the cross is contrary to the word of God. If ye say that in creeping of the cross that ye worship not the cross, I shall prove you false liars, not only by the authority of the scripture, but also by your own words that I have written, and by your own confession. To worship, as I will prove it by the authority of the word of God, is to bow to anything, to fall down before anything, to kneel, or with reverent behavior to kiss anything, for so betokeneth the Latin word adoro, and the Greek word proskuneo, which word signifieth to kiss. Here, 3 Kings, chapter 19, I will leave unto me seven thousand men in Israel whose knees have not been bowed before Baal, and every mouth which hath not worshipped him, kissing his hand. Ye may see that to kneel or to bow before an image or an idol is to worship it, and that likewise that to kiss an image or an idol is to worship it. For here the scripture showeth the manner of worshipping, whereby we may know who worshippeth and who worshippeth not. If ye require more scripture to prove that to fall down and to bow before a thing is to worship it, hear what is written in the tenth chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, when St. Peter came unto Cornelius. Cornelius, as soon as he saw him, falling down at his feet, worshipped him. It is also written in the twenty-second chapter of the Revelation of St. John how that the angel would not suffer John to worship him in these words, and after I had heard and seen, I fell down before the feet of the angel to worship him which showed me these things. And he said unto me, See that thou do not so, for I am thy fellow servant, etc. Worship God. Now may ye evidently perceive that by these places of scripture, that to kiss an image reverently, to bow to an image, or before an image, or to kneel to it, or to any such thing, is to worship it. But ye kneel to the cross, and before the cross, ye bow to the cross, and kiss the cross, therefore ye worship the cross in creeping the cross, as ye call it. But some of you, peradventure, possessed with the spirit of the devil, which findeth out ever excuses and defence for his service, idolatry, will answer to me, as the heathen answered to the old Christian men, when they blamed them for the worshipping of gold and silver, that ye worship not the image of the crucifix, but Christ himself, that the image representeth. To this excuse I make this reason. To kiss the cross itself is to worship the cross itself, but ye kiss the cross itself, therefore ye worship the cross itself. But if this reason be not strong enough, I shall prove it with another place of the scripture, besides the three above rehearsed, that to worship before anything is to worship the same. It is written, Luke 4, that the devil said unto Christ, All these things shall be thine, if thou falling down wilt worship before me. 
and matthew telling the same history saith i will give thee all these things if thou wilt worship me then if luke and matthew write all one sense and differ not in rehearsing of the history then is it all one thing to worship before a thing and to worship a thing the greek word that is turned into english before is more plain than the english is for enopion beside before betokeneth in a man's sight or before one's face well ye worship before the cross therefore ye worship the cross moreover if that worshipping before an image be not the worshipping of an image why have ye commanded that no man shall set any candle before any image save only before the crucifix whereas the people might answer to them that accused them for worshipping of images when they set candles before images and kneeled before images we worship not the images we set candles in the honour of the saints that the images do represent and not in the honour of the images if this excuse be not allowable then is not your excuse allowable when we say we worship before the cross but not the cross ye hold still that the saints in heaven are to be worshipped but ye hold that no images may be worshipped saving the image of christ crucified which commonly is either of gold or else of silver and gilded with gold what a driving away of idolatry is this to forbid the worshipping of images of tree and stone and to compel men on pain of death to worship images of silver and of gold as though the scripture allowed golden images and silver images to be worshipped nay the scripture reproveth even the golden images in these words the images of the heathen are gold and silver the works of men's hands all they that make them be like them and all they that trust in them i have proved now by sufficient witnesses of the scripture that to worship before an image is to worship it ye worship before the image of the crucifix therefore ye worship the image of the crucifix if ye deny still that ye worship the cross or the image of the crucifix i will prove you liars by your own words which ye have both said and intend to say again tell me what do ye sing and say on good friday when ye creep the cross and the people creepeth after you say ye not lord we worship thy cross and that all false excuses should be holden out that ye say not that by the cross ye mean the passion of christ it is written in your ordinary rubric let the cross be borne through the choir by two priests that there it may be worshipped of the people can two priests carry the passion of christ in their hands i trow nay seek then some other shift for this will not serve by this time ye cannot deny but that ye both worship images and compel other men to worship them also which thing i shall evidently prove that it is as contrary to the scripture as antichrist is to christ and thus will i prove it if it be not lawful to make an image and to have an image it is not lawful to worship an image had and made but the scripture forbiddeth to make images and to have images then much more it forbiddeth to worship them here the places of the scripture which forbid the making and having of images exodus twenty thou shalt make thee no graven image etc leviticus twenty six i am your lord god ye shall not make a similitude of a god or a graven image deuteronomy seven ye have seen no likeness in that day that the lord spake unto you in horeb from the midst of the fire lest ye perchance deceived should make unto you a graven likeness or the image of a man or a woman or the likeness of beasts of the earth etc deuteronomy twenty seven cursed be the man that maketh a graven or a casten image the abomination of the lord the wise man in the thirteenth chapter curseth both the image and the image maker 
if this be the scripture and the word of god that i have rehearsed then must ye needs grant that it is not lawful to make an image or at least that it is unlawful to make an image and after that it is made to worship it if that ye grant either of these two as ye must needs do that it is forbidden by god's holy word either to make images or to worship images that are made ye cannot deny but that ye be false doctors which both worship images yourselves as ye testify in your service and compel the poor people against their consciences to worship images and commit idolatry for your pleasure if ye say the scriptures before rehearsed forbid to make the images of false gods as of jupiter and of mercury and of such other and to worship them but they forbid not to make images of christ and to worship it this saying is as false as god is true for god saith deuteronomy five in the second commandment thou shalt make thee no graven image neither the likeness of any things which are in heaven above and which are in the earth beneath and which are in the waters under the earth thou shalt neither bow to them nor worship them now tell me whether christ is in heaven or no if he be in heaven as ye cannot deny but he is then it is forbidden by the scriptures to make any likeness of him and to worship it and to bow to it for the word of god saith thou shalt make thee no likeness of anything that is in heaven above neither shalt thou worship it nor bow to it but ye make the image of christ which is in heaven and bow to it and worship it therefore ye do openly contrary to the open word of god therefore either condemn and scrape out the second commandment or else leave off the creeping of the cross and the worshipping of the crucifix in bowing to it and in kneeling to it for the creeping of the cross and the second commandment of god can no longer agree together but i will conclude this matter with an argument not easy to answer if it be unlawful to fall down to worship the better and worthier thing it is much more unlawful to bow to fall down to worship the worst thing and the unworthier thing st peter st paul the angel that showed john his revelation are better and more worthy than the image of the crucifix which ye call the cross but if they were here altogether it were not lawful to worship them acts ten and fourteen revelation twenty two therefore much more is it unlawful to bow to fall down to worship the image of the crucifix and yet ye say that ye hold no popish ordinances contrary to the word of god is the conjuring of salt and water to drive devils away and to heal all sicknesses and to take away sins agreeing with the word of god ye will answer me in english that ye make not your holy water for any such intent but only to be a remembrance of christ's blood but on sunday ye will answer me in latin that ye make it to drive away devils to heal all sicknesses and to purchase forgiveness of sins your answer is printed and it is said every sunday in every parish church of england in these words almighty everlasting god we humbly beseech thee that thou wouldst vouchsafe with thy holiness to bless and make holy this thy creature of salt which thou hast given to the use and profit of mankind that it may be to all them that receive it health of both body and soul and the charm that ye say of the water every sunday is this o creature of water i conjure thee in the name of almighty god the father and in the name of jesus christ his son that thou may be conjured water to cast out devils and to put away sicknesses etc if ye say not these words as oft as ye make holy water let me be hanged drawn and quartered as a traitor to almighty god how happeneth this ye gentlemen of the clergy that ye say one thing in latin and another in english if any man speak against this your witched water ye defend it in the pulpit and say that ye make it to be a remembrance only of christ's blood and not to drive devils away 
and to be health of both body and soul and on the sunday next following ye say in latin that the people should not perceive your cloaked lying that ye make it to drive devils away and to be health of both body and soul ye crafty canonists ye play with holy water pope alexander's daughter here there is a gap in the text no man asketh anything of god but what he believeth possible and may well be ye ask of god that salt may be unto you and to all them that receive it salvation of body and soul therefore ye believe that it is possible and may well be that salt may be salvation to all them that receive it but salt is another thing besides christ and ye believe that men may be saved by it therefore ye believe that this is or may be another saviour or salvation besides christ i will not suffer you lightly to sip away from me without an answer ye say to god almighty grant us that this salt may be salvation or health of body and soul to all them that receive it believe ye that what you ask is possible or impossible if it be impossible ye be wise prayers if ye believe that it is possible that ye ask then believe ye that it is possible that salt may be salvation of both body and soul but seeing that there are no more parts of a man but his body and his soul and christ can do no more to a man but to heal both body and soul and ye say that it is possible that salt may heal both body and soul then it followeth that ye believe that your conjured salt may do as much as christ and if this be not a heresy to say that it is possible that salt may do as much as our redeemer and saviour jesus christ both god and man can do what is heresy now at length thanks be unto god we have found out the right heretics let them that have authority to punish heretics look unto them that hold this damnable opinion tell me ye which have the pope's mark in your crowns how happeneth that ye be weary of christ's salvation that ye pray the father of heaven to make you another saviour of salt hath christ at any time disappointed any of you or any other that trusted in him that ye desire the father to make another saviour of salt if he be a sufficient saviour alone and disappointed at no time them that trust in him what need ye desire the father that salt may be health of body and soul let them that understand latin come the next sunday to the church when the priest maketh holy water and they shall be sure to hear the priest desiring the heavenly father that salt may be salvation and health of both body and soul to all them that receive it but lest ye should escape i will prove you open idolaters by this your prayer to whomsoever ye give the property of god the same ye make god as the children of israel made a god of the golden calf when they said that it brought them out of egypt for none but god could deliver them through the red sea from pharaoh and the egyptians and so they gave to the calf what was due to god but ye give the property of god unto salt therefore ye make a god of salt i prove thus that ye give the property of god unto salt the peculiar and only property of god is to be health of both body and soul and that ye give unto salt and therefore ye make a god of salt then are ye damnable idolaters if ye excuse your conjuring of the devil out of salt water fire and willow boughs and say we are the successors of the apostles nay they're apes the apostles cast out devils why may we not also cast out devils as the apostles did i answer with this question the apostles anointed sick men and prayed over them and they restored them unto their health again how happeneth that among a thousand that ye anoint that ye restore not one to his health again 
it is to be thought that the devil setteth as much by your conjuring him away as he setteth by the conjuring of the seven sons of the high priest sceva who were conjurers read what luke writeth of them acts nineteenth chapter but certain of the renegade jews that were conjurers took in hand to call upon the name of the lord jesus over them that had evil spirits saying we conjure you by jesus that paul preacheth for they that did that were seven sons of sceva the high priest but the evil spirit answered and said i know jesus and paul also but who be you and the man that had the evil spirit rushed upon them and overcame them and had the higher hand over them so that they fled away out of the house naked and wounded belike the devil setteth as much by your conjuring which are the seven sons of the high priest of this time the pope that is to wit cardinals archbishops priests monks friars and canons as he set by the conjuring of the seven sons of sceva the high priest of the jews for i never heard tell that these thousand years that ye cast one devil out of anything that ye conjured yet it is like also that the devil having the higher hand over you pulleth the hair of your crowns as many as are conjurers and other sons of the high priest the pope as he rent the clothes of the other high priest's children and wounded them well by this mark may we be sure to know a conjurer and one of the pope's sons who hath unluckily fallen with the devil to make an end of this matter ye say to salt be thou health of body and soul and the scripture saith of christ there is health in no other now ye cannot say but that ye hold more popish traditions contrary to the word of god than one is the taking away of the one half of christ's supper from the layman agreeing with the word of god i think it is not for theft and sacrilege are contrary to the word of god and the taking away of the one half of the supper from the lay people is theft and sacrilege therefore the taking away of the one half of christ's supper from the lay people is contrary to the word of god thus prove i that the taking away of the half of christ's supper is theft and sacrilege theft is the taking away of what belongeth to another as against the owner's will sacrilege is the taking away of a holy thing from them it is due to against their wills but ye take from the lay people against their wills the half of the sacrament which is due unto them therefore ye commit theft and sacrilege if ye deny that the half of the supper that ye take from them is due unto them by what authority claim ye the whole supper that is both the parts of the sacrament if ye say by the authority of the scripture which saith take and eat this is my body and drink you all of this was this spoken to you and the apostles only or was it spoken and commanded unto all christian men if ye say that it was said and commanded to you only and to the apostles then do ye the layman great wrong who compel the layman on pain of death to receive the half of the sacrament which was not commanded of christ to receive it if that these words take and eat and drink ye all of this cup were as well said unto laymen as to priests then take ye away from the laymen against their wills what is due to them but to do so is to play the thieves and church robbers therefore to take away from the lay people the one half of christ's supper is theft and church robbery but theft and church robbery are contrary to the word of god therefore it is contrary to the word of god to take the one half of the sacrament from the lay people if this reason be not strong enough hear another whosoever putteth anything to the ordinance and command of god or taketh anything from it sinneth deadly deuteronomy four ye shall put nothing to the word that i speak unto you neither shall ye take anything from it 
if it be deadly sin to reprove and disannul a man's testament that is once approved or to take anything from it much more is it deadly sin to take anything away from the testament of jesus christ which the father of heaven hath allowed galatians three but ye taking away from the lay people drink ye all of this that is the sacrament of christ's blood take something from the word of god and mangle and minish the last will of our saviour jesus christ and scrape out a part of christ's will which was that all men should drink of his blessed cup therefore in taking off the sacrament of christ's blood from the lay people ye sin deadly if a man had two sons a priest and a layman the priest is with his father at the making of his testament and the layman is away the father departeth and commandeth both the layman and the priest to do one thing and to receive one thing the testament is allowed now whether doth the priest the layman wrong or no if he will not let him receive the whole thing that his father willed him to receive or no ye see by this similitude that seeing that ye priests are our brethren and not masters above us and are all alike bound to keep christ's whole will that ye have no authority to defraud us and take from us what our saviour christ hath commanded us to receive and would that we should take is it agreeing with the word of god that a priest may say mass and receive the sacrament for a layman and to teach that the priest's receiving of the sacrament deserveth forgiveness of sins or at least is profitable for laymen and for the souls departed i think nay have ye any text in all the whole scripture whereby ye can prove that a layman may not as well receive the sacrament for a priest as the priest may receive it for a layman if ye have any say it out if one layman cannot receive the sacrament for another layman and thereby win him forgiveness of sins a priest cannot receive the sacrament for a layman and thereby deserve him forgiveness of sins for as one christian man cannot be christened for another one cannot be confirmed for another one cannot be confessed for another one cannot repent for another one cannot take orders for another one cannot be anointed for another one cannot be married for another so cannot a christian man receive the sacrament of christ's body and blood for another then if the priest be a christian man he cannot receive the sacrament for a layman if a layman laboured sore from twelve of the clock to six and from six of the clock his supper was ready i ask if the layman were sore hungry and thirsty if the parish priest should eat the layman's supper from him and drink up all his drink from him whether should this priest eating and drinking quench the layman's hunger and thirst or no prove they that list i think nay so if the layman have a great hunger and a thirst to be comforted and strengthened in his faith by the receiving of the sacrament shall the priest's receiving of the sacrament comfort the layman's soul and certify his conscience that his sins are forgiven by the blood of christ i trow nay or else but a little if that the priest's receiving of the sacrament comfort men's consciences more than if the layman should receive it themselves what need sick men that are like to die to have the sacrament brought unto them when as the priest's receiving of the sacrament in the church comforteth as well the layman's soul after your opinion and calleth to his remembrance the passion of christ so well as though the layman had received it in his house his own self ye hold that the receiving of the sacrament of the priest helpeth more the layman both dead and quick than his own receiving let us try thee with examples reason and scripture as almighty god ordained the passover of the jews and the eating of their easter lamb for a remembrance of their deliverance from the scourging angel and from the bondage of pharaoh 
so christ the son of god both god and man ordained his supper to be received of all christian men that they should call to remembrance the passion of christ and the shedding of his most precious blood which hath delivered our souls out of the bondage of the spiritual pharaoh the devil as the priest and the layman of moses's law were all alike bound to keep the feast of their passover and to thank god for their deliverance from the scourging angel and from the bondage of egypt and the priests could not by the law of god give but the half of the lamb to the lay people so among christian men the laymen are as well bound to keep their easter and to call to remembrance the death of christ and to give thanks for their deliverance from the devil as the elders of the new testament are seeing that they have received like profit of christ's death and passion and so the elders cannot by the word of god take the one half of the supper from the lay people as god would not allow it that in the old testament a priest should eat the easter lamb for a lay jew so will not god allow it in the new testament that an elder that ye call a priest shall take the sacrament for a layman as one hundred years after that the children of israel were delivered from the scourging angel and from the bondage of egypt a priest of the jews could not deserve the deliverance of the layman by eating the easter lamb which was delivered a hundred years before so the elders of the new testament cannot deserve the deliverance of the layman of the new testament that is forgiveness of sins by their receiving of the sacrament of christ's body and blood seeing above fifteen hundred years ago all the laymen that believe in christ were delivered from the devil and damnation as paul to the hebrews in the tenth chapter doth plainly testify in these words with one oblation and no more he hath made perfect for ever all them that are sanctified and ordained to be saved then cannot the priest by the receiving of the supper of christ deserve our forgiveness of sins and our deliverance seeing that our deliverance is so long ago past and christ ordained not his supper to deserve our deliverance from the devil but to be a remembrance of our deliverance from the devil and to give god thanks for our redemption and deliverance if that ye hold stiffly still that the priest's receiving of the sacrament deserveth for the layman both alive and departed forgiveness of sins or any manner of help for them bring out one title of the scripture to prove it withal if ye can bring no scripture answer to this question whether is it a commandment of god to all christians to receive the sacrament or no either it is a commandment or no commandment if it be no commandment then are not laymen once in the year bound to receive the sacrament neither are priests bound to say mass if that it be a commandment how can a priest deserve in doing that for a layman what he is bound to do for himself if it be a common commandment to all men to receive the whole sacrament god will not allow it that one man shall keep the commandment for another but will require the keeping of the commandment by every one for himself for if god would allow the keeping of the commandment of one man for another man then needed no rich men were they never so wicked go to the devil for not keeping the commandment of god for then if priests might keep the commandments for laymen and deserve them forgiveness of sins they might hire priests to keep the commandments for them that they might live like devils and die like saints and have everlasting life but now let us see what the scripture saith concerning this that one man may receive the sacrament and keep the commandment of god for another whatsoever a man soweth saith the scripture that shall he reap and the same scripture saith he that soweth scarcely shall reap scarcely of the which places i gather that he that soweth nothing shall reap nothing then i reason thus 
when the priest saith mass and receiveth the sacrament the laymen that are alive and the souls departed sow nothing for the priest soweth alone then shall neither the dead layman nor the quick reap anything that is shall receive no reward of god for the priest's saying of mass and the receiving of the sacrament for them for if the dead and quick should have profit by the priest's receiving of the sacrament when they received it not themselves then should they that sowed nothing contrary to the scripture reap something and have a reward for doing nothing moreover as the five foolish virgins could get no part of the five wise virgins oil when the bridegroom came so they that do no good works themselves shall have no part of other men's good works then if the mass and the receiving of the sacrament be a good work they that say not mass themselves or receive not the sacrament themselves shall have no part nor profit by the saying of mass or the receiving of the sacrament of others that say mass and receive the sacrament how say ye also to this reason what a priest cannot do for himself that he cannot do for another but by the receiving of the sacrament he cannot deserve for himself forgiveness of sins then can he not deserve forgiveness of sins by the receiving of the sacrament for others as for laymen and for the souls departed that he cannot deserve forgiveness of sins for himself in receiving the sacrament thus i prove it the priest that is ready to receive the sacrament before he take it is either a good man and the servant of god and hath his sins all forgiven or he is an evil man and the servant of the devil and hath not his sins forgiven if he be a good man before he receive the sacrament and be the servant of god and have his sins forgiven then his receiving of the sacrament deserveth not for him the forgiveness of his sins for his sins were forgiven before he received the sacrament if the priest a little while before he received the sacrament be an evil man and the servant of the devil and have not his sins forgiven and so receive the sacrament he deserveth by the unworthy receiving of the sacrament the judgment and wrath of god and no forgiveness of sins but the more punishment for his new sin then what is here to spare for the lay people and for the souls departed if it be true that when a layman giveth a priest two pence or a groat to say mass for him and to receive the sacrament for him all that the priest deserveth for receiving the sacrament is the layman's deserving when the priest is a deadly sinner as many a one be then the priests deserving of the wrath of god for unworthily receiving of the sacrament for the layman must needs be the layman's deserving and so buyeth he with his money the wrath of god almighty god save me and all christian men from such merchandise will ye yet say still that ye hold no traditions of the pope contrary to the word of god say ye that it is agreeing with the word of god or not contrary to the word of god that all the psalms that are sung in the church that all the masses that are said in the church should be sung and said in the old pope's mother tongue which the people of england doth not understand i will prove it contrary to the word of god though all they that hold on the pope's side would defend it to be good and lawful it is a wonderful thing to see how that ye blind bishops pretend to hate the pope and yet love so well his works and his deeds that in all things ye follow him as near as is possible for one man to follow another the pope shaveth his head broader than the common sort of priests do and hath a distinct kind of apparel from all other christian men also and will be reckoned higher than his other brethren that are ministers of the word of god as well as he is and that contrary to the word of god which maketh all the apostles of like authority and not one above another and so do ye 
the Pope forbiddeth to eat flesh many times in the year, as in Lent and on the Fridays, and yet selleth licenses for money to eat at all times, and so do ye. The Pope wills that the canon law and the ceremonies be had in great reputation, and not to be put forth of the church, though they hinder the preaching of God's word, and the praying with heart and spirit, which are the true and right service of God, and so do ye. And lest the Pope should have any peculiar and several ungodly property to differ by from the apostles of Christ, that ye should not have. The Pope willeth and commandeth in all places where he hath dominion, that all psalms and all masses shall be said and sung in his old mother Latin tongue, though the people understand never one word of the Latin tongue. Yet this doth he as a token that the people, hearing the Romish tongue, which is Latin, should acknowledge themselves to be under the sea of Rome. Ye christen in the Pope's tongue, and bury in the Pope's mother tongue, and sing all the psalms that are sung in the Pope's mother tongue, and command straightly that all the things above rehearsed shall be said, sung, and done in no other tongue but in the Pope's mother tongue, which is the Latin tongue, as a token that ye swerve not away from the Pope of Rome. The Jews, which would never acknowledge the Pope to be their head, sing their service and psalms in Hebrew. The Greeks, which have of long time departed from the Pope, sing their service in their own mother Greek tongue. The Beamers, which fell long ago from the Pope, have forsaken the Pope's mother tongue and sing all their service in their own tongue. The Germans, which of late left the Pope, left also the Pope's tongue and now sing all service and psalms in their own tongue. And so all countries which forsake the Pope in very deed and earnestly forsake the Pope's ordinances and the Pope's Romish tongue, as touching singing psalms and service therein. But ye bishops of England, ye alone among all other nations that forsake the Pope, hold still the Pope's ordinances and the service in the Latin tongue. Ye think belike that ye are wiser than all other nations. Howbeit I shall prove that ye do clean contrary to the word of God, in singing the service in a tongue that the people doth not understand. St. Paul, in the fourteenth chapter of the former epistle to the Corinthians, doth almost no other thing than disallow your singing and saying in a strange tongue in the church that the people doth not understand. But if ye require some testimonies out of that chapter, hear what Paul saith. He that speaketh in a tongue, that is, in a language that the common people understandeth not, speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man heareth him, that is, understandeth him. But he speaketh secret privities in the spirit. But he that prophesieth, that is, declare and openeth the scriptures, in a tongue that the people understandeth, he speaketh unto men's profit, for their soul's exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in a tongue profiteth himself, but he that prophesieth buildeth the congregation. And a little farther in the same chapter, As oft as ye meet together, every one of you hath his song, his doctrine, his tongue, his revelation, his interpretation, and let all things be done to the profit of the congregation. So far Paul. What profit hath the unlearned man in hearing the gospel read in the Latin tongue, that he understandeth not, be it never so trimly read or chanted? Even as much profit as a sick man hath of a physician's bill, when the apothecary readeth it over the sick man's head in Latin, and ministereth nothing to the sick man that is contained therein. Paul saith, moreover, whether any man speak in a tongue, that is, in a speech that the common sort understandeth not, let it be done by two together, at the uttermost three, and that by course, and let one expound and tell what it meaneth. But if there be none that will interpret or expound, let him hold his peace, and say nothing in the church, but let him speak to himself and to God. 
these are the words and commandment of god taught us by his holy apostle st paul whereby your latin masses and latin evensongs are utterly condemned seeing they are said and sung in a tongue that the church understandeth not and ye do not interpret and declare what is said in a tongue that the people doth understand are there no more but three at the utmost in paul's speaking in tongues at once if there be more than three whether is the commandment of god given by st paul broken or not i pray you what mean ye to say in latin to the lay people that ye know well understandeth no latin at all dominus vobiscum oratre pro me fratres and item missa est either ye say these words to god or to all the people if ye say them to god then ye bid god be with god and that is wisely done know ye well or if ye say them to the lay people ye speak to them that they should know what ye mean if ye would that they should know what ye mean why do you speak latin to them that ye know can understand none if ye speak latin to them because they should not understand you hold your tongues and speak nothing at all and then have ye got your purpose for then they shall not know what ye mean and if ye hold your tongues ye shall not spend in vain so much lip-labour as ye do answer me to this before ye call me a heretic and when ye have once made a reasonable answer and confuted and overcome my reasons if i stand stiffly in my opinions if i give not over to you then spare not but call me a heretic as oft as ye will but if ye cannot overcome these reasons which if they were not of god might be easily overcome and therefore will not answer grant by holding of your peace that ye are overcome and give over your hold and say we have done amiss with our fathers more of this shall ye hear hereafter how happeneth this that neither ye will read the scriptures in the english tongue yourselves to the lay people neither will suffer them that can read the scripture to read it for their soul's health and great comfort of others that hear it read it is without all strife and out of all doubt that ye love not christ and would that all the laymen were blind and had no knowledge of scripture no more than they had twenty years ago that ye might play your own practices and have no man to look on to correct you here there is a gap in the text when the new testaments came in first it was counted heresy to have a new testament and many have been cruelly handled for selling new testaments in english which thing Siger of Cambridge can testify, if he will, as not only a seeing, but also a feeling witness. One noble canonist brought up half a print of New Testaments, and for the love that he had to the maker of the testament, offered them up in a burnt sacrifice to please Vulcanus and the Pope, with all who at those days sat deeply in his conscience. This man left off burning testaments, and others began to burn men and as yet have not made an end but after that the king of his goodness that god gave him had once granted that the new testament might be openly bought and sold and that every man might have the new testament and read it ye bishops for a while durst say nothing thereto ye said as little to the having of the whole bible in english which the king in spite of you hath brought into the church that all men might know their duties reading of it till that he had confirmed the pope's doctrine with act of parliament and had slain and murdered the chief maintainers of the bible next unto the king 
then ye being loath that your acts should be tried and examined with the bible went about and do still to drive the bible out of the church again ye have given commandment that no man shall read the bible so that no man may hear it read afterwards ye commanded that no man should read the bible in service time and because men should learn to keep your commandment that is while ye read in the choir the pope's service and the devil's service that no man should read the word of God, ye of late murdered one porter in prison, for no other cause but for reading of the Bible, that other men should not be bold to read it. Ye never put any man to death yet for breaking the seventh commandment. Therefore ye reckon it a greater offence to read the gospel of St. John in the service time, and the words that Christ spake, than to break the seventh commandment, and to read the words homile Gregory Pepe, in the Pope's tongue, that all the church may hear them, is reckoned to be God's service, and to read the gospel of Jesus Christ in the English tongue, that seven or eight may hear, is reckoned of you the devil's service. For ye forbid nothing but what ye reckon is the devil's service. It followeth then that ye reckon the Pope God, and Christ the devil. For him reckon ye God, whose words to read and keep ye reckon is God's service, and him reckon ye the devil, or at least the son of the devil, whose words to keep and to keep ye reckon the devil's service, and punish men for the reading of his words. These follow of your deeds. And because every man cannot gather after this manner, as oft as I see just occasion, I shall let you and all England know of your heresies and wicked opinions and devilish deeds that ye do and intend to do, which thing I would not do if I knew you not to be obstinate wrestlers against God's holy word. If ye say, we would not utterly have the Bible suppressed, but we would have it better translated, what time would ye have to correct it? perchance so many years as the king's highness shall live and then after his death ye have a good hope with the help of them whose children ye find to hold it down till that the prince come to perfect age and then too if he can for the bible is the breath of god's mouth which ye have read shall kill your father antichrist and you if ye say that we would not have the bible out of the church again but only we desire that god's service shall not be hindered by the layman's reading well then what call ye god's service ye will say i am sure that all that is sung and said in the choir is god's service as though what were read said or sung in the body of the church were none of god's service this answer will i thus improve the more part of what is read in the church is no scripture as are lying legends which are bigger than the bible sequences secrets collates conjurings of water salt fire and bowels litany responses and such others whose reading saying and singing cannot be god's service for christ saith matthew fifteen they worship me in vain that teach the commandments of men and the learning of men then seeing that the legends and the collates are made by men and the clerks in the choir in reading them teach them it followeth that they worship god in vain then is their service vain god's service is not vain service then the greater half of that which is read in the choir is not of god's service that is to wit the legends collates conjurings secrets sequences and such others now the other part of that which is read in the choir is pure scripture of whose hearing laymen have as much profit as a lay and unlearned man hath of the hearing of a latin play or comedy 
Howbeit, I will prove that even the most part of that scripture, seeing that it is said and sung contrary to God's mind, is none of God's service, in all them and in all other that say the scripture with their lips, and not with their hearts, that is, understand not what they sing and say, and lift not their minds up to God as to all they that sing latin service and understand no latin as the most part of choristers singing men and soul priests and many body priests also commonly do god commanded that the scripture should not be sung or said in a strange tongue except it were straightway expounded that is not done then is the scripture said and sung not after god's mind therefore it is not god's service so sung and said and that they that understand not Latin worship not God, nor serve God with singing of the Scripture in Latin, thus I prove it. John 4, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth, that is, unfeignedly with heart and mind. So do not they that sing they what not what. Christ also, Matthew 15, reproveth such servers and worshippers who neither understand nor mark what they say, in these words, This people draweth near unto me with their mouth, and worship me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now have I proved that your service in the choir is not God's service, but vain lip labor, except it be sung and said with heart and mind, as they do not who understand not what they sing, except also it be scripture, and sung and said after the ordinance of God. If it be God's service to sing in the choir the homilies of popes, legends of saints, and such verses as Sacred Mary's merits bring us to heaven, and all in the Latin tongue, then must it much more be God's service to read in the body of the church the text of the scripture which is better than the pope's glosses, the acts of the apostles, and such other texts of the scripture. No man cometh to the Father but through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life." Why forbid ye the better for the worse? Why forbid ye laymen to read the Bible in your service time, seeing the layman may have much more profit of hearing five words read in English that they understand, than of five thousand words that they do not understand, be they never so finely chopped, champed, or chanted? Paul saith, Let all things be done to the edification and profit of the church, but your service sung and said in the Latin tongue is not for the profit of the church. Therefore, it is contrary to the word of God that ye should sing the service or say it in the Latin tongue. If ye require the sum of all together in an argument, take it unto you. No man is edified by hearing what he doth not understand, and therefore hath the king commanded that all laymen shall learn their paternoster in English. But the laymen understand not the service said and sung in the Latin tongue. Therefore they are not edified, or made any better by hearing it in the Latin tongue. Is it agreeing with God's word that ye forbid all men, both learned and lay, the whole half-year, save twelve days, to marry, and will suffer no man to be a preacher of God's word, or a minister of Christ's church, except he forswear marriage first? Is it agreeing with God's word to say that a priest may not have a wife by the word of God? I say that this your doctrine is the doctrine of the devil, for Christ alloweth marriage in all men and in all times. Honourable is marriage among all men, saith Paul, and the same saith, If they cannot forbear and have not the gift of chastity, let them marry. This commandeth God by Paul to be done at all times, yea, even in your holy Lent time, if a man have not the gift of chastity. 
ye have boldly and wickedly given sentence in your convocation house that a priest may not have a wife by the law of god and yet can ye not show one letter in all the whole bible that forbiddeth priests to have wives ye say that they may have no wives by the word of god and yet they may have as i have proved by the bible therefore ye reckon there is something the word of god besides the bible i think that ye take the canon law for the word of god or at least regard it as much as the word of god ye make men believe that ye have scripture to prove your purpose withal and yet the chief setter out of this article the noble waterer of the pope's garden which of his deeds hath his name when he was required of martin Busa what scripture he had to prove that priests might not marry like a perfect canonist for lack of scripture made this reason the same authority hath the king over all the priests of his realm and his other subjects that a father hath over his children but a father may forbid the priests of his realm to marry then if they marry when he forbiddeth them to marry they break the commandment of god which saith children obey your fathers and mothers now let us see what followeth of this gardener's argument first it followeth that the king hath authority to forbid all men in his realm both that they have the gift of chastity and have it not to marry as long as they live and so utterly may by gardener's judgment destroy matrimony it followeth of this argument that once in time past that it was not unlawful for priests to marry that is to wit before the king forbade priests to marry it followeth of gardener's reason that the king forbade priests marriage before god forbade them and that the king made the marriage of priests sin before god and that it were no sin for a priest to marry if that the king would not forbid priests to marry mark this well ye temporal lords and ye burgesses of the parliament how when he is in germany he can find out no scripture to disprove priests marriages withal but only that the king's forbidding of priests marriages maketh priests marriages unlawful and no other thing and when the king's highness and ye put this matter to the clergy to be tried with the scripture whether priests might marry or no this with his fellows gave a plain answer that by the word of god priests might not marry can ye abide ye noble lords that these men of antichrist shall mock you thus and lie of the king our master and say of him that he maketh sin that which god never made sin i trust you will suffer them no longer for it is high time to look upon them then when as ye master gardener with your other fellows can bring forth never one text of the scripture that this aforesaid forbidding of marriage of priests and of the marriage of laymen for the one half of the year that it is the doctrine of god i will prove to you by a plain place of the scripture that it is the plain doctrine of the devil paul in the former epistle to timothy in the fourth chapter saith plainly that forbidding of marriage is the doctrine of the devil therefore seeing that the pope and ye teach the same doctrine ye hold the doctrine of the devil here there is a gap in the text the devil always from man's creation his deadly enemy seeking all the means that he could to pull man from god perceiving that man had an unfleeable desire given him of god to increase and multiply his kind and an unavoidable appetite few except therefore to have natural company with his appointed companion laboured all that he could utterly to destroy marriage here there is a gap in the text but because if the devil should have gone about the destruction of marriage in his own person because he is hateful he should have sped the worse 
he came to a pope holy heretic called montanus and him he stirred up to write against matrimony and so he did and taught that marriage should be broken as eusebius writeth in the fifth book of the ecclesiastical story and in the fifteenth chapter but apollonius a good christian man overcame this heretic and his doctrine so that he lost all his credence and therewith lost the devil a great number of his true servants satan seeing that he could not speed by the means of an open heretic he came to a certain doctor and moved him to write against marriage and that he did in a book which he wrote against vigilantius in these words following the english of this doctor's words is this it is good not to touch a woman then it is evil to touch her for there is nothing contrary to good but evil so long as i fulfil the office of a married man i fulfil not the office of a christian man the apostle biddeth us that we should always pray if that we must always pray we must not give ourselves to marriage or to serve marriage so far hath the doctor spoken this doctor's name was jerome who in this point erred sore and gave many others occasion to err after him who believed men without scripture howbeit augustine writing de bono conjugi and other doctors did sufficiently overthrow this error of jerome and so was the devil twice disappointed yet he would not give over his matter so but ever sought new shifts and then he came to his vicar on earth the bishop of rome and him he stirred and moved to destroy matrimony here there is a gap in the text promising him for his labour to be the richest man in the world and of the greatest estimation the pope hearing these promises straightway went about to destroy matrimony and first he commanded all that were his ghostly children and had his mark in their crowns should forswear marriage and he made a law that no man should be allowed to be a preacher in christ's church except he forswear marriage first and fain would he have forbidden all laymen to have married too but when they would not forswear marriage for him yet he locked up marriage even from all laymen for the space of the one half of the year save twelve days whereby the devil and the world might well perceive his good that he had utterly to destroy marriage at the least to move all men to think that marriage was sin and that the state of marriage was a sinful state and by the help of this his vicar the devil gat many a prey but the germans seeing that this forswearing of marriage was the highway to the devil wrote earnestly against this forbidding of marriage and against the foolish and ungodly vows and against the pope himself and his authority and riches which the devil gave him and at the length utterly forsook the pope and all his vows and forswearings of marriage with all other like traditions after the germans the king our master commanded you earnestly to drive out the pope out of all places of his dominion also and to preach earnestly against him then the devil perceiving that the king was about to drive the pope out of his realm was afraid that the king should drive out with the pope for swearing of marriage unlawful vows and all other ordinances that the pope made as the germans did when they banished away the pope and therefore he came to you whom the king had appointed to drive out the pope and desired you that ye would not drive out of england the forswearing of marriage but that all things concerning marriage of priests should continue as they had continued since the time of gregory the seventh and he promised you so long as ye would do so that he would help you to hold still your temporal lands your great honour riches and dignity and so my lords for the upholding of your pompous state ye will not drive out of england the forbidding and the forswearing of marriage for of that matter ye fear that your honour and estimation do hang 
when ye shall make me an answer to this book tell me what authority have ye beside the authority of satan to forbid marriage or to compel any man to forswear marriage seeing st paul saith in the first epistle to the corinthians in the seventh chapter i have no commandment of virgins that is i have no authority of god to bind any man or woman to live single without marriage if that st paul have no authority to compel any man or woman to live without marriage the king hath no authority to forbid any man to marry for st paul had as much authority as the king in spiritual matters prove the contrary if he can if the king whom ye grant to be head of the church have not that authority of whom have ye that authority if ye say that ye have any such authority then ye make yourselves above the king in your answer tell me how it happeneth that this place of paul unto timothy maketh not for priests marriages a bishop may be the husband of one wife i say that ye must either let this place serve for priests marriages or else ye must lease all your temporal lands and have nothing wherewithal ye may keep hospitality which paul requireth in a bishop for thus reason ye with this text for your temporal lands a bishop must be hospitable but without temporal lands that he cannot be therefore must a bishop have temporal lands this text of paul is as free for me as for you a bishop must be the husband of one wife but without a wife he cannot be the husband of one wife therefore he must have one wife if ye expound this place of paul a bishop must be the husband of one wife that is a bishop must have been the husband of one wife i ask of you whether all these things that paul speaketh of here are required in a man that is to be chosen a bishop or are they required all in him only that is chosen already or are they required both in one that is to be chosen and in him that is already chosen if ye say that these properties are required all in him alone that is chosen already then is he eligible and may be chosen to be a bishop which is a drunkard a murderer and hath two wives so that after he is chosen he be none of this sort if ye say that these properties to be faultless to be the husband of one wife watching sober lowly herberous etc be required in him only that is not yet chosen a bishop but standeth in the election to be chosen and not in him that is chosen already then may a bishop after that he is chosen once and made bishop be full of faults the husband of many wives a sleeper a drunkard high-minded and unherberous which thing to grant is an inconvenience therefore he must grant that these properties are both required in him that standeth to be chosen and in him that is chosen already therefore both the man that standeth to be chosen and he that is now chosen already a bishop must be faultless the husband of one wife modest herberous watching sober etc therefore either grant that paul required in a bishop that is chosen that he have no more wives but one and that he may have one or grant that paul requireth not in a bishop that is made already to be herberous for those things that paul speaketh of in one mood one tense in one text altogether he doth alike require at one time or else reprove in one time then seeing that he saith in one mood tense and text together a bishop must be the husband of one wife sober herberous then doth he alike require that a bishop should have a wife or no more wives but one as he requireth that he should be herberous and sober then if the having of a wife belong not to a bishop then soberness and keeping of hospitality belong not to him if he be not bound to keep hospitality he must have no lands to keep hospitality if ye say that opotet esse must signify opotet fuisse 
that is must be must be taken only for must have been then it is not required by your gloss in a man that is a bishop to be faultless to have but one wife to be watching sober modest herberus fit to teach no wine drinker no smiter not given to filthy lucre but it is sufficient if he have been all these he is sufficient bishop by your exposition if he have been faultless though he be as full of open crimes as a leopard is full of spots it forceth not if he have three wives so that he hath had no more wives but one it maketh no matter if he be a sleeping and a dumb dog so that he hath been watching and diligent he need not to be sober when he is once made bishop but he may occupy all manner of excess so that he hath been sober before he was bishop it skilleth not whether he be modest or no it is much if he have been it is not required in him to be herberus fit to teach no wine-drinker no smiter after that he is made a bishop so that when he was a scholar in cambridge or oxford he hath been herberus fit to teach no smiter and no drunkard ye may be then after that ye be once made bishops by your turning essay into fuisse full of all sins the husbands of a hundred wives sleeping dogs drunkards and murderers and if a man say unto you bishops paul saith ye may not be murderers ye may not be drunkards ye may have no more wives than one ye may by the juggling of essay into fuisse that is by the juggling of be into have been say yes and that this is not the meaning of paul for paul requireth not now when we are once made bishops that we should be sober and have but one wife but that before we were bishops we should have been sober and the husbands of one wife etc and so now we may be what we list wherefore i marvel the less that so many bishops which have been in cambridge and oxford before they were bishops watching and fit to teach are become sleeping dogs that dare not bark and more fit to flatter than to teach god's word purely without the leaven of the doctors seeing that they are discharged from all things that paul requireth of a right bishop by this gloss a bishop must be that is a bishop must have been but according to their gloss the honest common people speaketh of them after this wise how continueth dr ericaeus in preaching god's word and in promoting the gospel another answereth by and by qui fuit but ye care not for the common report ye be so far past all shame but to conclude this matter that doctrine that forbiddeth what christ ordained is contrary to christ but your doctrine forbiddeth that which christ ordained therefore your doctrine is contrary to the doctrine of christ here there is a gap in the text solomon in the sixth chapter of proverbs saith that adultery is the greater offence than is theft therefore if theft be worthy of hanging adultery is worthy of it and a greater punishment beside st paul saith in the fifth chapter of the epistle to the ephesians let not fornication be so much as once named among christian men that which is forbidden to be named is forbidden to be done but fornication is forbidden to be named then much is it forbidden to be done and allowed paul calleth fornication leaven and wills that such as be so should be excommunicated and not suffered to come among other christian people till they were ashamed of their sins and intended to commit that offence no more one corinthians five almighty god deuteronomy twenty three forbiddeth that any such person should be suffered among his folk here there is a gap in the text now have i tried the chief of your popish ordinances and traditions and i have found them contrary to the word of god 
now is there nothing to hinder me but that i may conclude my aforesaid argument without any contradiction or gainsaying whosoever holdeth still the pope's doctrine which is contrary to the word of god holdeth still the pope that the king would have driven out of england but i have proved sufficiently that he holds still the pope's doctrine which is contrary to the word of god therefore i have proved that he holds still the pope that the king would have driven out of england by this time i trow that the fox is found out and they are known that maintain him and hold him still in this realm after that the king hath commanded him to be utterly banished out of all places of his dominion if such a poor man as i should hold still in england the king's enemy that he commanded me to drive out of his realm i should be taken as a traitor but ye hold still the king's enemy that he commanded you to drive out of his realm then whether may a man call you traitors or no if ye be no traitors prove in your answer that ye will send me that ye hold no doctrine of the pope contrary to the word of god if ye be traitors and heretics and unlearned and have no knowledge but in the canon law and in old glosses and fantasies of men answer nothing to my arguments but forbid my book to be read and in holding your peace consent that all that is said of you in this book is true if ye be learned men and have knowledge in the scriptures and love learning answer me like learned men and be not like privy murderers which will not tell a man that they murder wherefore they kill him but suddenly without any asking of any question slay him suddenly tell me by the scripture where i have said amiss and if i recant not call me heretic and do to me as ye should do to a heathen man but if ye condemn my book and cannot overcome it by the word of god i shall set a play of your mischievous tyranny in latin that all the learned men that are now alive and the age for to come shall know you what ye be and what ye have been almighty god give you grace to amend amen End of the hunting and finding out of the romish fox part two by william turner